it doesn't matter. I've taken a deep look at everything, and it doesn't matter. We're doomed. And welcome to the 18th episode of Changed My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. I'm Luke T. Harrington. I'm an award-winning novelist. I'm a best-selling humorist. And as of right now, I am not quarantined yet. Um, Maybe by the time you hear this, I will be. I don't know. Uh, So far in the great state of Wisconsin, we have only three confirmed cases of coronavirus. So... I don't know. Um, Who knows where this whole thing is going? I don't. All I know is that I am likely to run out of toilet paper. And apparently toilet paper is our last defense against coronavirus. I I don't know. Um, That's hack material by by now. Uh, People have been making that joke for like two weeks straight. Um, But it is true. Everywhere is running out of toilet paper, even though that makes no sense. Um, Anyway, this is my show where I talk to people who have changed their minds about big, important things, because I want to know why people change their minds about big, important things. I'll be honest, though, this show has felt really heavy lately, kind of a massive downer, if we're being honest about it. Um, I listened to uh, the Joe Rogan experience, um, his controversial podcast, uh, for the first time the other day because I wanted to know what the big deal was. I was like, millions of people listen to this podcast. I should listen to it. And, you know, it was just kind of him shooting the crap with people. Um, I listened to the episode that had um, Stephen Dubner of Freakonomics on it. Uh, it was a really interesting episode, but it was just him chatting with Stephen Dubner, cracking jokes, talking about some serious stuff, but also cracking jokes. I don't know. And I said to myself, why can't my podcast be fun like this? Um, so I thought we'd do a lighter episode this week. Um, it ended up very much like Joe Rogan's show in some ways, because my guest and I were basically incapable of staying on topic. Um, The guy that I had on the show this time around is a friend of mine named Brad Williams. I've known him online for, I don't know, seven, eight years. Um, He's a preacher down in Alabama. Uh, Probably my favorite person who sounds exactly like Larry the Cable Guy, Um, the actual Larry the Cable Guy being second. Um, And we just talked about why he changed from a hardcore Chevy driver to a hardcore Ford driver. Um, so something a little lighter for y'all. I personally don't really understand loyalty to car makes, um, which I talk about in our conversation, but maybe you do, and maybe you'll find this interesting. I don't know. The conversation kind of goes all over the place. Uh, we talk a lot about what happened in the 2008, 2009 bailouts. It gets, uh, serious at times, goofy at other times. I think you'll enjoy it. It was a fun talk. I think we could all use a laugh right now, so give it a listen, and I'll see you on the other side. Well, 
Welcome to episode 18 of Changed My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. I'm Luke T. Harrington, and this is my show where I talk to people who have changed their minds about big things, important things, because sometimes it's easy to wonder if anyone ever ever does change their mind. So this is my show. It's about, you know, 95% therapy for me and 5% research project, something like that. I screwed that up. Like usually I say it the other way around and then the therapy for me thing is the punchline, but uh, whatever, we're going to go with it today because it makes my, my awkwardness makes me charming. It makes does. people listen to the show. <laughs> Clearly I am sitting here with someone. I am sitting here with pastor Brad Williams. He is an old friend of mine. He is a Southern Baptist preacher down in Alabama. Don't turn the show off. Don't yeah. turn the show off after hearing that. We'll, it'll be good. We'll, we'll talk. It'll be interesting. And yes, this is my real accent. Hey, you know, I um, I like having Southern preachers on the show because Southern preachers are storytellers. You that's know? right. And that's that's what the show is all about. Um, we had is that um, a nice way to say liars? He's yes. telling stories. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have I think I have some non-Christian listeners out there. So you know, if that yeah. if that keeps you around, if thinking that that I mean liars keeps you around. Yeah. yeah. You know. We see what you did there. <laughs> what I've said, one of my one of my previous guests asked me, is this a Christian podcast? And I said, you know what? It's not not a Christian podcast. <laughs> Has it been baptized? It has not been baptized. Yeah, some you know. Sometimes we talk about religion. Sometimes we talk about other things. Um, I mean, it's the nature of the show. It's officially in iTunes cataloging system. What it is is a quote unquote philosophical podcast. I'm liking that. I feel like <laughs> we, getting philosophical tonight. We talk about the deep questions, whether we're talking religion, politics. Uh, whatever else we we've done episodes about history, grammar, pop culture. Um, today we're we're talking about um, what do, what what are we calling it? Consumer <laughs> preferences. We're talking about one of the bigger decisions that a man can make in his life, or a woman for that matter, <laughs> whether or not to buy a Ford or a Chevy. Yeah, um, I've had quite a few kind of heavy episodes lately, and I wanted to do something a little bit lighter. Maybe you don't agree that it's lighter. I don't know. Well, I mean, where are you from? <laughs> you ain't from around here, are you, boy? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not from truck country, that's for <laughs> sure. Man, I was um, born in New England, so... Uh... <laughs> well, it's okay. it's okay. I lived, I mean... When I'm when I uh, first encountered you online, I, I almost said when I met you, but we've never met in person. But uh, no, when I first encountered you, I was living in Oklahoma, which is much more truck country. Um, That's true. These days, I am living in Wisconsin, which I don't know if that's truck country. It's like blizzards eight months of the year, which so you kind of need a truck to get around. Well, it's like snowmobile um, country. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Why do people go there? It's cold. I'm sorry to everybody <laughs> in Wisconsin. I don't understand it. I always see people complaining. This has nothing to do with Ford or Chevy, but it's like, it's cold here. Housing prices are ridiculous. And I think, why do you live there? <laughs> leave this place. It sounds horrible. Why are you, you know, paying $2,000 a month for rent? Get out of that city. Come to Alabama. 
I will, I will, I will say this, and this might be just because I was born mm-hmm. in Massachusetts and raised in Nebraska, so I'm used to winters. But I thought the summers in Oklahoma were much more miserable than the winters are in Wisconsin. Okay, so. never come to Alabama because you would die. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, Alabama is is famously humid, right? Like the the whole Deep South is just. I think you meant infamously. Yeah, or whatever. Swamp. Oh, I live in the oh. Appalachian Mountains, man. Well, I'm you know what I mean. Alabama. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm okay. a hillbilly. You're a hillbilly, not a what? What? What do you call someone from the swamp? I don't know. <laughs> a Cajun. That's what you call a them. Cajun. There you go. That's <laughs> that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, a hillbilly, not a Cajun. Just a little um, shout out for my Louisiana friends. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but the, the heat in Oklahoma was fairly dry, so it had that going for it. I don't know if I could deal with like Southern heat plus humidity. I don't know. I have spent a fair amount of time in the Florida panhandle and the Florida keys. And I don't know, like even in the summer, I did kind of feel, find it pleasant. Like it was just like you were wrapped in a blanket of humidity, which, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't the worst thing in the world. Like and the beach was right there. So you could just jump in the water. You can't yeah. do that. You're not on the coast. I don't I'm know. in the mountain. I don't stand mountain. Yeah. But I'm um, 850 feet above sea level, something like that. Yeah. So we are going to talk about the way you changed your mind from, um, was it Chevy to Ford? Yes, that's correct. Chevy to Ford, your former Big life change. Chevy gearhead, current Ford driver. I will say, um, I, I got to be honest, this whole thing is pretty foreign to me. Maybe I've said that already. Um, I have recently, and by recently, I mean like just in the last month or two, I have recently decided that I really do enjoy driving Mazda SUVs. But yeah, I know. Like (laughs) you'd kick me out of this mouth if I was there. How how did that happen to you? I mean, when you're like, I think I'll just test drive a Mazda SUV. I like driving these things. I mean, okay. So, do you want to hear my story? Since, <laughs> hey man, sure, sure. You're on to tell me your story. I might as well, yeah. I might as well tell you mine. So, for ninety nine percent of my life, I have thought of cars as just a way from get to to get a way to get from point A to point B. Is what I'm trying to say. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care. Like, if I need. To exist in the modern world, unless you live in like downtown New York or whatever, you need a car. So it's like, okay, I need a car. Where's an affordable car that won't be miserable to drive? That's been my attitude for a long, long time. Um, Around the time my first daughter was about to be born. Okay, let me put it this way. Around the time my wife was pregnant with my first daughter is what I'm trying to say. Um, She decided if we're going to have kids, we need an SUV. Um, mm. which I don't know, rubs me, rub me the do, wrong way. She didn't want to do the minivan because didn't want to do the minivan. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're, you know, we're millennials. We don't want to, <laughs> we don't want to do that. Um, you know, and I've always been like, you know me, I'm, I'm just a big hippie. Like I don't want to, I don't want a big fancy car. I just want like a junker to get me somewhere. And I didn't want an SUV, but whatever. My wife was insistent. I'm not going to argue with her. Um, she, she thinks that our kids need to ride in an SUV. Fine. Okay. Um, so we, um, we went shopping for an SUV and 
I don't know. For some reason, she had her mind on Subaru, I guess, because it's what her parents drive. Um, her parents live in the mountains of Wyoming. Um, mm. So we, we went to this the Subaru dealer and we were looking at the Subarus and they were fine, but they, they were so expensive. And they were like, we have this used Mazda. And it was a it was a 2008 CX-7. So I looked at the I looked at the we, we test drove the Mazda and it was like, yeah, this is what we want. It's used instead of new, which is fine. And it's it's so much it's the same price as a new Subaru, but it's got so much so many nicer features like it had the leather interior and stuff. And um, my yeah. main problem with the Subarus was like the chairs were like murder on my back. Um, so we got the Mazda. And so we had the Mazda for a solid, I don't know, up until January of this year. So if that was that was 2012, I think. So we had it for eight years. Anyway, recently the Mazda, that particular Mazda got totally destroyed. Um, yeah, it was, this is a whole other story, but we took it to a dealer to change the suspension. It needed like a new shock, a new shock absorber or something like that. Um, actually, a new I can tell you're really a car guy. And no, no, it has some kind of shock absorber. Yeah, on. yeah it, needed a, it needed a new strut was what it needed. Um, Don't we all? I know, right? Um, and so they... Um, you know, they replaced the strut and then they were like, oh, it won't start now. So they, they were like, I think it, we think it needs a new fuel pump. So they replaced the fuel pump, but they replaced the fuel pump wrong and flooded the engine and ruined the car. Um, oh. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, long story short, we had to trade that in and get ourselves a new car. <laughs> Did they pay or were they just like, sorry, man? You know what? You know what? They did not offer to pay for it. They should have. They didn't offer to. And I did not feel like making a stink. I didn't feel like taking them to court or whatever. Um, so I just let it slide. Like we traded it. We traded in the husk of our previous vehicle to the dealer. Um, and, you know, they gave us $800 for it. And we were like, well, if the engine had worked, how much would it have been? And they were like, we could have given you another thousand bucks. And we were like, well, for a thousand bucks, it's not really worth the headache. Like we're about to dump however many thousand like i think it was you know somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 or thirty thousand on a new car so whatever a thousand bucks not that much What's anyway thousand dollars between friends right like like it's not it's not like i'll tell you what it is to me i'd be punching somebody in the mouth that's i know that's the that's the difference you hippie that's the difference between <laughs> you and me man is i would like, i just avoid confrontation because mm, mm. You know what? Like at any given moment, I would just rather be like sitting on my couch than doing anything, including. Oh well, there you go. Someone, you know, like I just. Yeah, I, I start, it's becoming clear to me why you don't understand the Ford Chevy rivalry. Like, yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping yeah. you can educate me. Anyway, long story short, <laughs> we ended up having to buy a new car. So we, you know, my my wife wanted to stick with the SUV thing, so we test drove a bunch of SUVs on this this um, used lot and. I just realized I don't enjoy driving any of these SUVs except for the Mazdas. Like oh. I just really like the feel of a Mazda SUV. Um, and all this time, like driving this other car for eight years, I just thought it was, you know, the car I drove cause it was the car I had, which was true, but apparently I really dug it. Yeah. Um, so you don't know what you got till it's gone. I guess so. So anyway, we ended, <laughs> we ended up getting ourselves a 2016 Mazda CX-9, and I am very happy with it. I really enjoy driving it. Um, but Good for you, man. I know, right? All that is to say, until about a month ago, 
I didn't, I didn't really understand loyalty to a make of car at all. Like I knew it was a thing. Like I knew there were like Ford gearheads and Chevy gearheads and GMC gearheads or whatever, but I just, I didn't get it. Like to me, it was just, they're all just friggin' cars, man. man. (laughs) All right. So maybe I'm hoping, yeah, maybe you can explain to me and our listeners, like what all this, this car Uh, make loyalty is about. Well, I'll tell you, it's like this. And, and, I don't know if it's a southern thing, but I think it might be more of a rural thing, maybe. Maybe nationwide. Sure. Sure. Everywhere that NASCAR is popular, they're going to understand this. <laughs> Does that make <laughs> sense? I mean, I just, that's the truth. And it kind of goes back to that, I think. Mm. Uh, you know, do you, you understand uh, sports ball, like football and stuff like that, don't you, Luke? I mean... Like, people have teams, therefore. I, I know, understand I it. Con- I understand it conceptually. Oh if that my helps. goodness! How, how did we become friends? <laughs> I don't so, know, man. I so don't here, know. So, so I don't know if you know it, but Wisconsin has a football team. They what? Yes, and they, <laughs> their followers are called Cheeseheads. Oh, is they're that is green, that what the Green is that Bay why Packers, people wear green they, around you? <laughs> that's it, and that's why they wear a cheese wedge on their head. It's so, and they love their team. And they hate the other teams. That's what you do. <laughs> and so I think most of the Ford Chevy kind of rivalry stuff really centers around in the old days uh, from racing, probably. Mm-hmm. And and once, like, it wasn't that way for me, but I just knew that my granddad was a Chevy guy. My dad's a Chevy guy. My family were Chevy people. And that's what mm-hmm. we were. And, of course, we didn't like Ford people because Ford is found on road dead. That's what it is. <laughs> That's what Ford stands for. That's what I, thought, I was taught I thought, growing up. I thought it was fix or repair daily. It's also that. You know, <laughs> it's a secondary meaning. If you look it up in the dictionary, it has both. So, oh, yeah, okay. that, that yeah. was it. And so we weren't Ford people, and people who were Ford people, we knew that their cars were junk, especially their <laughs> trucks. What in the world? Get you a Silverado and get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> But there was no reason other than we're Hatfields and you're McCoys, and that's just the way it is. Sure, sure. And, but I do think it had to do with some like NASCAR racing stuff. But anyway, I was a Chevy guy. My first uh, truck was a Chevy Silverado, four-wheel drive, step side, was blue. I had nice Batman wheels put on it in 1991. Like actual Batman wheels, like with a bat uh, symbol? Sort of. You know, no, no, it didn't have a bat symbol, but you remember in the first Batman, which is really the only Batman that counts up until yeah. the Christian Bell ones, the, how the wheels are sort of spiraled on it, and it sort of gave this neat effect when it was riding it. Didn't have I think, I think so, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's just what I called it, because they were Batman wheels. They were extra wide, and I had some Mickey Thompson mud tires on it, and it was amazing. <laughs> I got stuck in the mud one time, and a guy tried to pull me out, and the, he tried to do it with a cable and it broke and knocked out my windshield that was scary but anyway <laughs> good times in that chevy truck so i was a chevy man and there i was and there's not supposed to be any changing however i changed and that is a weird story but i'm going to tell it to you you ready for this i'm ready for this if you're ready so this goes back to uh an awakening of something <laughs> called economics and not everybody has awakened to economics <laughs> and that's fine it's better for them if they remain ignorant but <laughs> what happened was i was living in south louisiana 
and I had a friend who owned a outfitter story. So camouflage and backpacks and guns and fishing stuff. And that's what I did. I was that guy. You know, I'd go in there and talk to my buddy. And so anyway, uh, I, this is coming back to Ford Chevy, I promise. So <laughs> Bass Pro Shop comes to town. And the city gives them all these tax incentives, right, to come to yeah. town. Like, you don't have to pay taxes for 700 years or whatever it was, 30 years, 20 <laughs> years. And we're going to pay you money to come build your thing here. Sure. Well, I go in and I talk to my buddy about this because he owns an outfitter store. This is not good news for him. And he tells me, he's like, man, this is awful because my tax money is going to fund my competitor. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this this is not only not right, this just feels fundamentally un-American, right? <laughs> I'm like, what is going on here? Why are mm-hmm. we doing this? Bass Pro Shop is a multi-gozillion dollar corporation. Why do they need a tax incentives while my buddy's been in business for 15 years and no tax incentives for him, right? So I was kind of <laughs> peeved about that. And I started taking a closer look at the government and uh, economic policy. <laughs> and so... I don't know if you realize this, but right at the end of George Bush's term as president, right as Obama took over, we had a little thing that was a economic crisis. Do you remember that? I do remember that. Everybody's house foreclosed, and it was sad. And I could, I, I can talk about that too. But that was right as I was graduating from college, which is oh. why I've never had a real job. So there you go. So you still. It, Dadgum, George Bush and Obama. Thanks, Obama. Yeah, yeah. So what year, what year was that? It was like... It was during it was during the election of, of 08, I believe. Yeah, so... Uh, so all of a sudden, all of a sudden, GMC and Chevy and Chrysler and all these companies are coming to the government with their hat in their hand, right? And they're like, hey, we need to borrow some money for a bailout because we're going broke. And I'm like, wait a minute. Right? It's like yeah. and they start talking about too big to fail stuff. And that I was I was upset about this because I'm like, all these Americans out here in this downturn, people losing their business, people losing their job. But we're gonna bail out these guys, but nobody else. So I'm kinda mm-hmm. hot about it. And I'm watching these uh they put it on television. It was so it was it was a little bit the theater of the absurd because the government, I don't know if everybody knows this, but the government <laughs> actually took over temporarily. I think it was GMC and Chrysler. Yeah, GMC and, at least. Like the both yeah, the American and, and Canadian fired their government. CEO. Like the yeah. government fired their CEO. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. <laughs> so so they have this panel and all these guys are up there and they made these guys sell their uh their jets, their company jets had to be sold. It was so dumb. There's so much dumbness. But anyway, they're up there and they're like, yeah, we need some money. We need like 350 gazillion dollars or whatever. And they're just going down the line. How much you need? How much you need? How much you need? And the Ford guy goes, we don't need any of your money. We've made cuts and we're not going to do it. We're just here because our competitors are here and we need to stay competitive with whatever they do. And I thought, do what? Ford's not taking the money? And that's, I was converted right there on the spot. <laughs> on the spot, I became a Ford man. 
I saw that Chevy guy there with his hand out, and I said, I'm done with you, buddy. I am going for the Ford. And I got myself a Ford Explorer, and I have myself a Ford F-150, and I love them. There you go. Conversion. I saw the light, Luke. There you Glory. go. There you go. Now I can cheer for Bill Elliott. Of course, he's been retired for 50 years. I don't even know who's driving in NASCAR anymore. I've fallen away. But anyway, it's it, it was it was as simple as that. It was economics. Mm. And all that stuff about that time, you know, uh, Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae stuff. I actually worked in banking at the time. I was work and uh, they were doing those uh, first-time home buyer loans that the government said you had to do, mm-hmm. and the government was backing these loans. And so the bank was handing them out like candy. And again, this is during my economic awakening, and I was like, this doesn't seem sustainable. <laughs> There's a reason we have credit checks, right? And they're like, mm-hmm. well, the government's guaranteeing these loans. And I thought, well, this couldn't end badly. <laughs> but Luke it did end badly it ended very badly <laughs> I will tell you how badly it is it ended for me I can tell you the exact ramifications uh, I was at a church I had been there six months and it was clear I was fixing to get fired and so <laughs> I told my wife we bought this house six months ago we've probably got a hundred dollars worth of equity in it we are going to be fine Ha ha, we laughed. The Lord will provide. And I walked out of my house the next day, and every single house in my neighborhood almost had a for sale sign in the yard. And I was mm. like, what in the world's going on? Wow. So I called my realtor, who was my buddy, and he said, a lot of these were spec houses. And some of them were finished, and some of them weren't. And he said uh, that they've, they've gone bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And all these houses are going into foreclosure. And so I went from like, and listen to these big prices. My neighborhood went from like $110 a square foot to about $45 a square foot overnight. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a, that was a nice lesson in economics. Yeah. So go, so go forward. Thank you, Ford. <laughs> Let me just play devil's advocate on some of this because I, I want to poke at some of this stuff a little bit. Poke away, um, my friend. All right. And I'm not so, buying a Chevy. I don't care what you say. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I don't care. But this uh, this show is, you know, it's about getting people to defend their views a little bit. Oh. Um, you know, so I know I know what the argument for the two big the whole too big to fail thing was, whether yeah. we're talking about banks or car companies, which is that these car companies go bankrupt, they go belly up. That's tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people losing their job immediately. Those people then won't be able to pay rent, pay utilities, buy groceries, buy, you know, buy whatever people buy, which means more people are going to lose their jobs. Yeah, right. Which means, you know, if they're not buying stuff, that means, you know, People who run the grocery stores lose their jobs. The whole, you know, the whole economy falls off a cliff. Um, I don't know. What do you What do you think about that argument? It's a, you know, obviously a vaguely anti free market argument, but I think there there's you know, I feel like yeah. there's something to it. Well, well, I'm just gonna 
lay it all out there for you. Sure, lay it all I, out. I think once you, once you're banking on the fact that okay, once all these people lose their jobs, there will be no jobs they can do. They're just gonna be drifting around like the Great Depression era, like hobos hopping on trains and going doing hobo stuff and we can't we can't be having that like my granddad these days when they had hobos around and people yeah. jumping on trains i guess people still do yeah so is that really what happens are, are were those car companies actually going to collapse how do we know what was I mean, going to happen what i mean we don't know because we didn't let it happen we I didn't guess. let it happen would, yeah. would toyota come in and take over and hire a bunch of people it's not like people in america is going to be like well, Dad Gum, Chevy, and Chrysler and GMC went out of business. I guess we'll quit buying cars. You know how I feel, man. <laughs> I'm a Japanese car guy, so there you go. So, well, you know, and I think also this whole Ford versus Chevy thing it has changed a ton, probably yeah. in the last uh, forty years. Sure, sure. Because now it used to be sort of brand loyalty made in America kind of stuff, but mm -hmm. Toyota makes. I, probably 80% of their build is made in America now, mm -hmm. in Virginia. Yeah. So it's not the same. I mean, it's right. just not the same. Everybody's just shopping now for what gets the best gas mileage and who Consumer Report says is the best car. Yeah. But anyway, I think that, I think that once you, it, this is what bothers me at the core. It's not necessarily just the bailout. It is favoritism drives me nuts. Mm -hmm. Why do they get bailed out when every – so why are you bailing out uh, all these banks but all the people who lost their houses? Well, they're just tough stuff, right? Right. So it's like, hey, let's be fair across the board. Let the thing yeah. fail. Restructure through bankruptcy, which they had to do anyway. Mm -hmm. How do you uh, – if there, if these guys aren't making cars, who's going to be making cars? People say, well, nobody can ever build up and make a car company again. Right, Tesla? Mm, yeah, right. <laughs> Nobody can start a car company, Elon Musk. What's the matter with you? Nobody can send rockets into space. Only the government can do that. <laughs> so it's like, what? Do you, shut up. How do you know? Let people do stuff. Yeah. Let things go, man. And I do feel bad for people who lose jobs, but look, here's the deal. Uh, necessity is the mother of invention, right? Mm -hmm. If if you if I get canned tomorrow, I, I'm going to get really creative about how to start making enough money for us to eat and not get kicked out of our house. Sure. Now I don't know if I'll be successful, but I'll I'll be thinking about stuff. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like uh, I just feel like it it is catering in in my mind is catering to the haves and ignoring those who have not, and that bugs me. Sure. I'm not sure how sound an economic theory that is. But <laughs> that's how I felt when I saw it. And there was at least one car company who did not need that money to stay afloat. Mm -hmm. So they didn't take it. They they made deep cuts. They did the things they had to do to stay viable. Mm -hmm. and, I, what, and another thing aggravated me is they gave them the money the first time, those companies. And then they came back and asked for more money. Mm -hmm. And that time the government was like, no, <laughs> no. Although it was a kind, of, kind of a good deal for the government, the, the money all got paid back. I know that. And it was paid back with interest. So, yay. Yeah. Yeah. That, so it wasn't a total disaster. <laughs> we still got Chrysler's. I mean, who goes out and buys those? Who's, who's doing that? How are they in business? I don't know, man.
I don't know. What name a car that Chrysler makes? Oh, oh they're Jeep, aren't they? Oh, <laughs> uh, they own Jeep still. Is it Chrysler Jeep? I don't know. I I can name you some Jeep. Yeah, I mean Jeep. I, Jeep, Jeep is a brand that's doing pretty well. I have no idea if they're owned by Chrysler, <laughs> but I see Jeeps everywhere. Yeah, Jeep is like their own thing. They they're brand uh, people. You know, people who like Jeeps like Jeeps. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Chrysler owns Dodge, Jeep, Mopar, and SRT. Well, I guess a lot of people are driving. Yeah, I mean, I see, I see a lot of Dodges as well. They, you know why they had to buy up all those other brands? Because ain't nobody going and buying a Chrysler Pacifica. I mean, who does? <laughs> I'm going to go get – we need a new car. Honey, let's go get a Pacifica. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> whoever says that it's like we need an suv let's go get a toyota sequoia or i've got a friend who's like let's get a mazda cx7 <laughs> that'd be you yeah there you go there you go <laughs> yeah i mean whatever whatever else you want to say about ford they definitely have just a couple of brands that they really stand by instead of hiding behind a different a dozen different makes that's true that's because um, people love them they don't even use mercury anymore like it used to be ford lincoln mercury now it's just ford and lincoln yeah well lincoln who goes to buy lincoln though i know <laughs> what does lincoln make town well, car yeah they're, i mean they're they're like the you know the luxury brand that ford uses oh um, but that's when i get about, when i make the big bucks i'm gonna give me a lincoln exactly Exactly. Ford F one fifty is the number one selling truck in America, baby. All right. So here's the current line of Lincoln models: Navigator, MKZ, Continental, Nautilus, Aviator, and Corsair. And I don't feel like I know any of those, but None. it's uh two models of S of sedan and four models of SUV, and that's the whole line right now, I guess. So well. How about that? <laughs> I'm a Ford man still. <laughs> why, would I, uh, why, hey. why would I go get a Lincoln Aviator when I go get a Ford Explorer? And by the yeah. way, when we got our Explorer, I did not buy it because I was like, I'm all in for Ford, baby. That's the only one I'm trying to. We liked it better than the Toyota, uh, and we liked it better than uh, any of the others we drove i can't yeah I, it, you know it's like once you get married i can't even remember the girls that came before it's i can't remember any of these other suvs we drove because when we got in the ford it was love i mean it just <laughs> hugged us we were like oh thank got yeah. seat warmers i'm buying it well there you go i mean who doesn't like seat warmers right well especially uh, up in wisconsin yeah i know i um this isn't the the vehicle we bought, but for a while, but when we were between cars, we were driving a loaner from the dealer that was a it was a CX five, and it had seat coolers, which I'd never seen before. Oh yeah, I've got thing. a buddy that has a F two fifty, and his has uh -huh. seat coolers in it. And yeah. every time I get in that car, I think my butt's wet because it gets <laughs> cold, and I'm like, "What is going on? Let's pee my pants?" And it's like, "Oh no, the air conditioner is coming out of the seat, man." He laughs yeah. at me every time so weird yeah, it yeah is weird. obviously i never switched them on because it was january in wisconsin but it was like that's a thing seat coolers <laughs> seat coolers man it'll make your butt feel wet i'm just telling you yeah at least yeah. one of your listeners 
will go, yeah, I've had that happen to me before. <laughs> That's just exactly how it feels. It's true though. Yeah. When um before before we uh got our our first Mazda, we were I was driving a Mercury Sable, which is um, you know, it's not a thing anymore, obviously, but it's a variation on one of the Ford sedan models. I forget. Um, and it was it was a good car. I liked it a lot. So, do you want to talk some maybe about the difference between driving a Chevy and a Ford? Because I'm curious what a uh okay so i've had both um i had a chevy silverado and then i had a chevy s10 and i had a toyota tundra one time and then i had this so uh don't tell any of my ford people this but i can't tell a whole bunch of difference from it (laughs) i tell everybody this uh I like the Chevy, the newer Chevys especially. I like the Chevys on the outside, but I like the Fords on the inside. Uh, uh, it just, the the comfort on the inside is better to me. I like how it is, and I spend most of my time when I'm in my vehicle on the inside, not so much on the outside. And uh, I don't know, this is not scientific, okay? This is just opinion. But the Ford has more pep in the step, and... <laughs> The engine feels more reliable. Like, man, Mm -hmm. this thing is awesome. Mm -hmm. My Chevys didn't ever strike me with, whoa, this is, you know, amazing. Mm -hmm. But could be, you know, could be a little bias going on there. But Mm -hmm. I'm just telling you how I felt. Uh, I know that my Ford drives better than my Chevy did, but my Chevy was quite a bit older. So that might not be fair. But when I bought my F-150 recently, I did test drive them all, and I did like the Ford the best. So there's that. <laughs> I mean, my loyalty's not so strong that it can't be bought. I mean, let's just get real. <laughs> let's be real. It's all about economics, right? At the end of the day, it's like, man, yeah. I love Ford, but they're offering a $7,000 rebate on the Silverado. I'm definitely giving it a test drive. <laughs> yeah. Like, nope, can't do it. And uh, like so now I have this F-150 crew cab. Man, <laughs> you see me coming with my carbon footprint, ruining the planet Earth for everyone. <laughs> but just so you know, I also have cows who are farting methane out there, also ruining planet Earth and my chickens. <laughs> so, sorry. Not sorry. Hey, <laughs> you know... What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I know you hate me now, you hippie. But. Well, there's, I mean, there's considerable debate about, about the emissions from cows, I think. You think? Two cows cows credits. They, they do a lot for the environment as well, as long as you're not like raising them in a high density feedlot. Yeah. I do not have a high density feedlot. (laughs) Nope. Nope. It's too stinky. My wife would be upset about oh, that. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. gotta you gotta give them some space, or they get they get pretty smelly. I don't think I don't think there's any any disagreement that feedlots are terrible for the environment. But um, cows yeah. cows in a pasture, I mean they they return as much uh, much to the soil as they put out into the. They do. They are some poop machines. Do you talk <laughs> like this on your uh, podcast normally? Because I'm going to tell you. What's cool is my free range chickens. My chickens are free range, so you'll be, you know, happy. That's they get me some cred, but uh, 
they really help uh, the poop a lot. They they'll mm-hmm. get on top of the poop and they scratch to get the mm-hmm. bugs out of the poop, <laughs> and uh, spreads that manure around. Helps the grass go green. I just sent you a picture of my little calf. His name is Taco. Oh, he was cute. just born like three days ago. Oh, yeah. We call him Taco. He has a sister named Nacho, and we call his mama Cheesehead. Has nothing to do with the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> You're not supposed to name your cattle. But I do because I want to know which ones they are. We had a bull. We named him Mufasa. Oh, I got it. <laughs> That's a good one, Mufasa. Yeah. Pretty cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, Mufasa's hamburger meat at somebody's house right now. We, 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 we explain this to the kids going in. It's like, look, this is sirloin, and that is going to be the hamburger, and this mm-hmm. is what's going to happen to them. And they're going to be oh, delicious. Taco's going to get made into tacos one day. So. Taco will be tacos. He will be. It's true. Taco will be nachos. <laughs> yep. I read this comic one day, and it was talking about how, uh, yes, it's terrible that we eat meat, and it, it causes uh, uh, the death of many cows. But if we didn't eat meat, no one would keep cows. Right. Right? Right. They're not going to live in the wild. So actually, vegetarianism is genocide on cows because they'll all be dead. So while eating meat is murder, being a vegan is genocide (laughs) to cows. They're gone. You can kiss them goodbye. You think they're going to raise cows out in the field if nobody's eating them? Right. Not happening. Their poop ain't that valuable. Man, you just lost your two vegans. Yeah, I was, was going to say, you I just lost my last listener during that speech. So. Yeah, that was it. I'm sorry. You can always edit it out. But it was, it's it was a pretty good diatribe. It's not it's even original true. with me. I stole that from a comic yeah. somewhere. But yeah. I, it struck me as truth, so I thought I would share. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you want to... <laughs> If you want to maximize the number of an animal in the world, you, the fastest way is to monetize it, right? Because then yes. start Yeah. Um, I mean, how do you think the platypus has survived all these years? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that even meant, but felt funny. Good old platypus steaks, man. Yes, delicious. Like a fresh platypus steak. <laughs> yeah, I think we just got to keep them around just because what happened here? All right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's true. Good. You got to keep them around. I'm pro platypus. <laughs> <laughs> and kangaroos. Everything in Australia is weird. There goes your Australian listener. I know. I know. I, I'm down. I think I'm down to just my mom at this point. She's the only one. Oh. <laughs> I hope she's a Ford lady. <laughs> she actually just bought a Prius. So what? Yeah, she's riding around getting fifty miles a gallon. I know, I know. I didn't offsetting think, my footprint. I'll tell you, I did not think my parents were ever going to get a new car, like ever. Because oh, I see where you get it from. No, my dad is the biggest cheapskate I know. Oh, so your mom listens, but your dad don't. You just made your mom laugh. That's good. yeah, exactly. <laughs> he will. He will not spend money on anything and they were both they were dry they had two cars but they were both more than 20 years old and they were falling apart and you know my folks are in their 70s they're really healthy but they're in their 70s and i was like you'll probably just drive those cars until they completely fall apart and 
they completely fall apart. <laughs> yeah. But you no, like, you I want to drive drive this car till they fall apart, or you do. I don't yeah, know I was coming first. Facetiming with my parents just the other day, and my mom was like, "Let me show you the new car I got," and it was a 2019 Prius. And what? My jaw hit the floor. I was like, "You just spent money on a not cheap car." I'm. I don't know what to think about that. <laughs> See, my next car. I got to tell you. My next car, when I get the big bucks, when I'm going to hit it big and have the golden calf or whatever out here, <laughs> I'm getting a Tesla, man. There you go. I will forsake Ford for it. Hey. I like the Tesla truck. I'm, yeah. I'm the only guy in America who looked at that thing when it came out and was like, <laughs> I want, I need. It's like, like DeLorean. The truck. Oh, son, I'm strapping a, <laughs> I'm strapping some kind of spike on the front of that thing going full Mad Max. I'm there like, this go. is amazing. All these uh, fellow rednecks around – oh, excuse me, hillbillies. Well, uh, <laughs> I just used a non-politically correct term for all my brethren. All these hillbillies around here, once they see me in that decked-out Tesla truck and I pull up at the red light and go, Phew. I don't know what sound does an electric car make me. I don't know, but it's going to be – they're going to be like, what is this? It's the future. They'll say, can this thing go off roads? And you know what I'll say, don't you? Roads. Where we're going, <laughs> we don't need roads. That's what I think. There you go. There you go. <laughs> that was a Back to the Future reference for all your young listeners who have no idea where that came from. And if you haven't seen Back to the Future and you get nothing else out of this podcast, go watch that movie. I think Back to the Future, is that 85? When that came out, I think that I think that movie, I think that movie came out the year I was born. <laughs> Have you seen it? Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, it was, it was like when I was growing up, it was on TV all the time. So I've seen, yes. I've seen the whole trilogy like many, many times. Um, one point twenty one gigawatts. My yeah. fate, my favorite is the second of the trilogy, which I understand is oh. an unpopular opinion. I I, just, I think it's the best. It has oh, that. what is it you like about it? I just I, I like how twisty and turny the plot is and how it kind of doubles back on itself and plays with the paradoxes of time travel. Like after yeah. after that, the third one's kind of a disappointment because it's really just kind of a generic Western, which is it's fine, but it's not as interesting to me. But, I don't know. Dog finally gets him a girl. That's I like that part. <laughs> I like our happy endings to happen. You you just mean. Uh but you know, really when you think about the great history of cinema when you talk about Ford and Chevy, you really have to talk about the great history of cinema. Of course. I guess. And <laughs> there has never been time travel movies equal to or or better than Back to the Future. Every other one stinks. <laughs> but those three are great. What about Looper? You ever see Looper? I that did. See, I, 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 there's always something in a time travel movie at the end where you're like, Wait, but <laughs> but Back to the Future is not like that. What about the whole Johnny Be Good thing? Because like Marty McFly learned Johnny Be Good from Chuck Berry, but then Chuck Berry somehow learned it from Marty McFly. Yeah, it's a paradox, man. It is. I mean, I'm doesn't fine with that one? <laughs> You're fine with that one. <laughs> fine with that one. <laughs> I like that one. Oh man, we are so far off track here. When was the last time we even talked about cars or trucks? I bet Biff drove a Chevy. I'll have to look back on the movie and see what seems like the manure falls on his head. 
Why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Classic. See, that's from the second movie. That's how you know the second movie is the best. Because mm-hmm. also, also the whole the whole Jaws hologram gag that was pretty great. I don't remember that one. Oh, you don't remember that? Um, when when Marty travels to the future or whatever, he's standing outside of a a a, theater, a movie theater that's showing I think Jaws nineteen or some ridiculous. Oh sequel and like the marquee is like a it's like a holographic marquee and there's there's like this you know this hologram of a shark that comes down and bites like eats him or whatever and you know he obviously being from the 80s he's never seen a hologram so he freaks out you know anyway yes that is good stuff but you know what's crazy is he had traveled to the distant future of like 2014 or something i know right yeah i'm so disappointed we've still only got three jaws movies we yeah and we, te- and we technically have hoverboards, quote unquote, but they're really just segues without the handle. Oh, yeah. And they're fun, but they're not as cool as the thing Marty was on. They're not. Someday, mm. man. Someday. Well, do I need to tell you anything else about uh, Ford and Chevy? <laughs> I mean, you know, we've, like we've exhausted the topic. I know, right? Like, this conversation has been fun, which is what I was hoping for, but we got through it pretty fast. Um, let me let me ask you some of the some of the later questions I have in the script um, because these these are some of the more interesting ones. Um, one of the ones I try to ask all my guests is kind of do, do you have a quote unquote coming out story? Like, do you have a did you have a time when you had to tell people, hey, I used to believe this and now I believe that? Obviously, with Ford and Chevy, that's less a big deal. But you say you come from a long line of Chevy drivers. Was there was there yeah. any friction there? Was there a Nobody moment? Nobody gave a care. My dad was like, <laughs> boy, you bought you a Ford? What in the world? And that was about it. That's it. Let me like, ask yeah, you this. Yeah, it's better than that, your Chevy Blazer over there. That's it. Let me ask you this. Do you have to fix or repair your Ford daily? No, I've never had to fix it yet. Not one time. Good, good, good. Yeah. Wait, I'm I'm trying to think. Has it ever failed me? <laughs> no. No, uh, I had to fix an oxygen sensor on our Explorer. It's oh, 2012, mm-hmm. uh, just like a week and a half ago. It was not running well, and one of the sensors was messed up. So what a piece of junk. <laughs> well, it sounds like they're built Ford tough. They are built Ford tough. Number one, number one selling truck in the nation right there. I don't know how Ford Explorer stacks up with other SUVs, but if it's not winning, it should be. Changed my mind with Luke T. Harrington is sponsored by Ford. <laughs> yes. Well, I would tell you this. Uh, if you go to buy an SUV, I know you Mazda, man. You should you should drive the Explorer, man. You should get in that thing. The Explorer. Yeah. Yes. But you just bought a car, right? Just bought one and I'm really happy with it. Like I was, I was ambivalent when we bought it. Like I was just like, I just need a car. You whatever. Yeah. Like I, I Does just, that mean you can use both hands equally. Well, I think so. I think that's what it means. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can shift the gear with either hand. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was kind of like whatever when we bought it. I, I was in this place of, I need a car. Let's just get a car. And then after, after I drove it for a few days, I was like, Oh man, I really like this car. Like, it's just, it's a really good car. It's a really fun car to drive. Um, what was it you were saying about Ford? They have more. Oh, a little more pep. Yeah. A little more pep. Like, 
yeah, that's what it that's what it feels like to me compared to some of the other cars that we test drove on the lot. Like I, I feel like I, it's a, just a really responsive vehicle. Like I push the pedal and it, you know, and you know, yes, and it handles the snow so well. Like you know, we bought it in January and it, it was like snowing oh. every day. You know? I've never <laughs> seen how mine handles the snow. I, we don't yeah. have it. You haven't hey, had snow. That's the main reason you you drive a truck or an SUV around here because it snows like for three months, four months out of the year. And you need to like, they don't cancel school when it snows because everybody's used to the snow, you know, mm. uh, so we cancel you gotta, school when it gets cold. I know. <laughs> I'm not joking. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah. But there's, there is a difference though, because you know, up here we've got the infrastructure to handle winter weather and down there you really don't like you like guys. Coats. We don't have coats apparently. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it's going to be it, 22 degrees in the morning. These kids don't have jackets, so we're closing schools. It is a thing, too, that they, you know, in the South, they build the buildings a lot draftier because they want them to breathe in the summer, um, which is, I mean, I guess that's a holdover from before air conditioning was invented, but still. Um, like, I found living in Oklahoma, I found that I felt so much colder in the winter than I do in the winter in Wisconsin just because the house was like the insulation in the house was nowhere near as good, you know, um, even though it only went down to like 30 or 40 and here it goes down to like zero, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it, if it's 64 degrees in my house, I'm about yeah. to die. It's so cold. <laughs> but up here they build houses with really good insulation. So it can get down like well below freezing before you start thinking, Oh, it must be cold outside today. You know, um, <laughs> When it gets down, and this is not a joke, to below thirty at my at, at, in Alabama, your your AC unit runs all day long, or your oh, heating sure. unit runs all day long because it's just. First of all, they're all electric here. You probably got oh. a gas. When uh, it's, just, mm-hmm. it's an exercise in futility. But in my Ford truck, I get plenty warm. That heater yeah. works like a charm. <laughs> hey, and the heated seats, man. The heated seats. I don't have everything. heated seats in oh, my you truck. Don't, you don't. Oh no, man. but my wife's does. My wife's uh, Explorer. It has the heated seats. Yeah. They don't. Want, I don't want to get too soft. You know. So. <laughs> it's a luxury I only allow myself on occasion. All okay. right. Let me ask you this: How has your life changed since your beliefs changed? Did you, has your life changed uh, since you became a Yeah. Guy? You know. Um, not really just the payments, which, you know, I would have had with anything, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think I've had really a big, uh, change in my life. Hear that. Yeah. Yeah. No, we had finally finished paying off our CX seven, like about a year ago, I, I think. And my daughter was about to be is about to be done with preschool, which has been really expensive. And we were like, we finally won't have car payments and we won't have preschool tuition. And then, you know, we had to buy a whole new car. So mm-hmm. whatever. We're back on the car payments. <laughs> Just write the check, baby. You, you can't win. Yeah. You can't win. Well, write the check or do the auto draft. I, I just I wish I wish I was a giant car company so the government would give me free money. That's what I want. <laughs> you voted for Bernie, I can tell. I, I can, I can. Not yet, because my state hasn't had its primary yet. Um, not till next oh. month, man. The primary in Wisconsin is so late. It's like I, I, I looked at the schedule and I was like, yeah, I'm going to have no say in who the nominee is. Oh yes, well, yeah. yeah. Um, 
it doesn't matter. I've taken a deep look at everything, and it doesn't matter. We're doomed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's one thing we can agree on, you and I. Yeah, let's um, don't let's don't talk about anything else. Let's let's have this agreement stay between <laughs> us. The beautiful agreement that we have. It's so beautiful to agree that uh-huh. we're doomed. We are doomed because I've looked and it's like there is no good outcome here. <laughs> and I, I'm an optimist, man. I'm yeah, not, yeah. I just like reading these guys' Twitter accounts and I'm like, oh no. How did it come to this? I feel yeah. like in Lord of the Rings, that scene where uh, when when the king of Rohan, man, this may be too obscure, but anyway, he's like, what <laughs> what can men do against such reckless hate? I'm like, what are we, what are we, how did he come to this? Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Doesn't uh, Gandalf have some famous quote about no one, no one wishes to live to see these times or something? I can't remember. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, he does. He says that, but whatever, <laughs> Gandalf, you're an, you're actually an angel in man clothes, so you can go back to the Valar where we're stuck here. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's not Is it fair weird to... that a redneck knows a lot about the Lord of the Rings? He's a he's a Maya Maya. He's not a even a human being. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to pretend to be a Tolkien expert. My mom is a big Lord of the Rings head. Um, mm. I have I have tried to read the books, and I always get bogged down like halfway through the the Fellowship. But I I aspire to read them someday. I am a big fan of the Peter Jackson films. I thought they were all very good. See, um, if we would have stopped with the agreement we had. I know. I'm sorry. Everything would have been great. <laughs> we were fine. I had a newfound love and respect. And then you said, I can't make it through the fellowship, but I love the Peter Jackson movies. Are you not a, are you not a fan of the Jackson films? Oh, I actually like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I think he did a good job. There were some things I... I mean, it, it, when you're a fan of something, you're always going to have some things with other people's interpretations. Oh, sure. Don't quite like. So, yeah. but no big deal. And, uh, overall, I think it was wonderful. The Hobbit was atrocious. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> it was like, what <laughs> happened to The Hobbit? We should have a Hobbit movie. When are we going to get one? I mean, but, you know, there were reasons that they came out as bad as they did. <laughs> Yes. Mainly that I mean mainly that Peter Jackson didn't even want to direct them but he was forced into the role like right as they were be- beginning production. Oh, so. I forgot wasn't like uh, Del Toro or Torme. Yeah. Mel Torme. Yeah, yeah. It was supposed to do it. Supposed to do it. Which I don't know like I don't know if I would have liked them if he had done them either because I mean he's got he's got like some real visual panache but I haven't found like I don't think any of his movies like hold together as stories. So I don't know. I don't well, know if clearly would... you haven't seen the troll cartoon. It comes on Netflix. What was <laughs> no, that? I, I haven't. I haven't. All the, the only cartoons my daughters watch are Pokemon. So that's, that's all I know. My son watches, they... used to watch Pokemon. He used to drive him crazy with it. Cause he, he watched Pokemon. He watched this other, the knockoff called Digimon. Oh, right? Digimon. Yes. So I would always sing the Pokemon song to the Digimon tune, and it would drive him crazy. I go, Pokemon, Digital Champions, Pokemon. He like, that is not. And, and I did it every time. Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. What was that? I, this is this is completely 
unrelated except it's vaguely similar like i had one period of time where my daughter i had one daughter really into paw patrol if you know that Mm -hmm. and one daughter who was really into like the old 90s donkey kong country cartoon show if you remember that it was terrible Um, but she was really into it for some reason (laughs) and i used to sing donkey kong to the tune of the paw patrol theme and it drove them both crazy anyway well that's what dads do yeah yeah gotta gotta do my job here gotta do my job Mm -hmm. all right well um got a couple more questions here um are you quote-unquote evangelistic about your love of ford these days do you do you try to convert Uh, no i you know i'm i'm uh in this regard a little bit libertarian let everybody buy uh the lesser vehicle if that's what they wish no (laughs) just let them do their thing let people live let them live let them them learn i appreciate you not not judging me for my my love of mazdas no my Um, mother-in-law has a mazda (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right one more one more question about the about the Chevy thing which is um aside from your aside from your new beliefs themselves what would you say you learned from the experience of changing your mind Oh, I'm not sure if it was much as a, a automaker thing as much as it was considering the economics of the situation. Sure. Like, what is going on? What is government for? What are we supposed to be doing? Is this right? Is this wrong? Mm-hmm. Are we actually? Do we actually believe in the invisible hand of the free market fixing things? If yeah. we do, why do we keep helping the invisible hand? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are we doing? So, well, uh, clearly you know, we don't believe in that anymore. And love Bernie or hate him, he's not wrong that we have hard scrabble capitalism for the poor and socialism for the rich right now. <laughs> did he say that? He did say that in one one of the recent debates, I believe. Yeah. Um, so which one am I? I don't know. Do you has the government bailed you out ever? <laughs> no. Well, there you go. That answers your question, doesn't it? But I don't feel super hard scrabble. I, I'm probably yeah. I'm doing I'm doing all right. Thanks, Bernie. <laughs> well, I mean, you're a pastor, so it's not like you're working for a living, right? <laughs> it's, that's also true. It's also true. People ask me that all the time. Like, oh, you know, I, you only work one day a week anyway, don't you? Ha ha ha. <laughs> Smack. This is this is unrelated, but I, I did um I had a pastor for a while um at a church I used to attend to I thought he expressed it very well when he you know, he said the, you don't pay a pastor in the sense that he's like earning this money or whatever. The idea is that you release him from the financial concerns of earthly life so that he's free to minister to people and preach the gospel. I don't know. Release if that makes me. Sense. Well, you know what I mean though? Like, it's not like, it's not like he made 900 widgets, so we pay him for 900 widgets. It's it's like we want him to be able to eat and take care of his yeah. family. So we give him, you know, however much money so that he's free to preach and serve. I don't know. Yeah, and, and I mean, how how to, how do you measure their, uh, somebody's uh, usefulness anyway in the ministry? Right, right. I mean, we got ways we do it, but most of them are lousy. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, How being many people ba- join the church. Oh, yeah. yeah. Of course, you're Baptist, where pastors are hired and fired by congregations. So that's true. We are. Yeah. You got. I think. Few, I don't know how big your church is. So. Oh, <laughs> I, yeah. I was going to say you got a few hundred little bosses who. 
few hundred would be nice. Yeah, we're you know, we're 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 much smaller than that. About a hundred. I only got a hundred bosses. Okay. Well, in some ways that's easier, in some ways it's harder. I'm sure. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, no, we you know we're an elder led congregationally ruled deal, so we're weird Southern Baptists anyway. Yeah, yeah. Quasi Presbyterian then. Yeah, we <laughs> just uh, their big brother, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You're Lutheran, Missouri Synod, right? Um, these days I'm Wells. Um, I mean, I've, I've kind, of, yeah, <laughs> I've kind of denomination hopped as I uh, uh, grew up. My 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 dad's my dad's a, a minister in the in the OPC, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. So that's where I was oh. raised. Um, and then you know when I married my wife, she was PCA, so I converted for her. Um, and then eventually, <laughs> after, after, after the PCA chewed us up and spit us out, which is a whole thing, she she interned with them for a while, and it was miserable and awful. Um, you know, we had a whole period where we d- didn't go to church at all for a while, and then we f- eventually found our way to a Missouri Synod congregation. Um, and then we when we moved to uh, Madison, there really isn't much of a Missouri Synod presence here. Like, there's just not yeah. many Missouri Synod congregations, and the ones that are are kind of far away from us and not, you know, they have problems, <laughs> problems no. that I don't want to get involved with. Um, no. So we we ended up we found a, a Wells, a Wisconsin Synod congregation. You know, that's really like five minutes away from our house and is really great and has a really excellent school uh, for our kids to go to. So we ended up there. Um, what? Yeah. So I've kind of gone like sectarian Presbyterian to evangelical Presbyterian to evangelical Lutheran to sectarian Lutheran is kind of my, <laughs> my trajectory. I, I, I know I, I have today, this very moment is the first time I ever heard of a Wells Lutheran. Yeah, um, Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, W E L S. They call it. They call it. Wells. Are y'all liberals? No, actually, the the Wisconsin Synod is they're they're kind of the um, kind of the crazy conservative little sister to the LCMS. Um, oh, even more so than the Missouri Synod. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, the conservatives. Yeah, um, they drive Ford or Chevy. <laughs> That's a good question. I'll have to, I'll have to pay attention to what I what I see more I'm, of. I'm in looking the at your creeds online right now. I don't see anything about vehicles. All right, should we get back on track and wrap this thing up? Let's do it. All right, I this being a quote unquote philosophical podcast, I have three questions I try to ask all my guests. Just poke at these questions of epistemology, ontology. How do we know truth, and how do we know ourselves? So, first of all. Brad, what is identity? Does everybody have an identity? How do you know your identity? What do you think? It's on your driver's license. That's a good answer. <laughs> there you that's go, a, right there. Driver's license. Does everybody have an identity? Yeah, <laughs> yes. Everybody does. <laughs> where does and where does could, someone's identity come from and how do you know it? Uh your identity is given to you by God. And the only way to know who you are is to know whose you are and what he made you for. That's it. There you go. That's the preacher That's, that's off the top of my head, man. Yeah. That was a good preacher <laughs> answer. I feel like. It was good. 
What about human nature? What is human nature? Are we all the same deep down? Are we all different no. deep down? Yes. Are we all blank slates? I mean, uh, well, it, uh, no, no. <laughs> I, I, we are depraved people. Uh, I mean, I am. <laughs> yes, we are all depraved people and sinful. Yeah. Uh, but but if you mean, are we the same deep down? That's a kind of a tricky philosophical question. Depends on what you mean by it. Uh, yes, we are all. Uh, made in the image of God, which goes back to our identity. Uh, but we are all different people in the sense that no two are alike. We're all snowflakes and special. <laughs> Finally, Brad, what is truth? How do you find truth? How do you know when you found truth? Man, this is a great question. You know who asked this question? Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate asked this question. <laughs> I'm in a grand tradition here, me and Pontius Pilate. and Yes, what is truth, he said. <laughs> Jesus is the truth. He's the way. Yeah. I believe that with all my heart. So I think that uh, I, I do believe in an objective reality truth, and I think it is lassoed, tethered forever to God and his being. Mm. And if we want to know truth, we have to know him. Mm. And uh, if we don't, Everything gets weird and sort of <laughs> truthless. It, it, not weird, but shifting. Things sure. we, we, You can't nail down a truth if we don't have God. And I know people will be like, but it's true. And then just you know, quit griping about it. It's like, <laughs> it's like the atheist. Why, why would, are you going to try to convert me to God? It's like I, I never try to convert anybody to something they already know is true. Because mm -hmm. – uh, Anyway, that's, uh, yeah. now I'm making all your atheist listeners mad. But well, there you go. You suppress the truth in our righteousness. <laughs> we know what's right. It's like arguing with your mama when you know she's right. You just yeah. can't help it. I have thought about that a lot. Like, how do I know Which anything part? is true? Oh, yeah. Oh, like, if you hadn't, how, who are, how'd you get this far in life? Right, right. But how, like, if, if there is no order or intelligence to the universe, like, how do I know I can even trust my senses? How do I know I can even trust my brain? Right. Why are you even asking this question? Right. Yeah. Why are you even looking for that? What difference would it make? And I'm sure there's an atheist out there with a compelling answer, but I have yet to find one. You with know? a cool hat. He has a cool hat. I hope I so. I love you, atheists, is listening to this. <laughs> I love you. Yeah. Well, and I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that all atheists are dumb or evil or bad, but I just, I have yet to. Oh, hear. I would say that in a heartbeat, but I say it about all Baptists too. Well, there you go. In the, sense, the in the sense that all people are stupid and evil. Yes. Yeah, they're not um, especially stupid, evil and bad, but they are those things just like everybody else. That's the whole problem with the world. Well, you know, my last guest on this podcast was, was an atheist. Um <gasps> And I was really hoping, I was really hoping she could give me a, a good atheist defense of, of morality or epistemology. And she just, she shrugged and said, I don't, you know, I, I really don't like philosophy. <laughs> what the heck, man? Come right? On. Right? See, that, that is actually, okay, this is a conversion experience. And we talk about this on the show. And I'll, I'll be shutting up after this, my evangelist. <laughs> I was an agnostic in college. Were you? Uh, yeah, I was. And uh, I was in the liberal arts program. I was an English major. Man, can you believe it? Yeah. It's a true story. <laughs> and uh, 
I had a professor who, who really hammered on there being no truth, the capital T. Uh, you know, your truth is your truth, and we don't, there's no big truth, this kind of how you live it. And so I started thinking of the moral and just uh, ramifications of this. Like, mm -hmm. How can we say that? Because there are things, I'm sure, and uh, I'll... I've read some of his stuff. His first name is Sam. He's a famous uh, atheist apologist. Tries to have an objective morality. Oh, Sam Harris. That's it, Sam Harris. Yeah. So he, you know, you go read his book. Uh, it won't help you, but read it. But uh, <laughs> you know, so there are they're trying to have an objective right and wrong. They understand that things don't function without it. Mm -hmm. That we're all playing a massive game of bullcrap. <laughs> if there is no morality we're yeah. basically not killing each other and stealing our ipods from one <laughs> another because we don't want to get in trouble mm -hmm. and there's enough people to get you in trouble that you don't do it however there have been many periods in time where the biggest guy did get to take people's junk sure. and we would like to say that they're evil people but if there's no god or there's no judgment after who cares mm -hmm. how do you how do you Oh, you shouldn't have done that. Well, I'll just take your stuff too. Yeah. Anyway, that bothered me greatly in school, and that's how I uh, this sort of drove me into Christianity. Honestly, that's really um, interesting. Were you were you raised Christian and you wandered away? Yeah, in I was raised. Uh, well, I don't know. I was raised Southern Baptist, so you, sure. you can tell me was I raised Christian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was just, I was just gonna say, you yeah. know, you don't you don't meet too many people from the South who weren't raised at least. Well, we we went to church. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's like not the same. Yeah. Always, but sure. uh, I, I mean, people who who knew God, I was around them. There were pastors who preached to me, who I think knew God, but I was clearly not a Christian. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, I just sort of rejected it because I, I was raised in everybody I knew was a Christian, and everybody I knew acted like it didn't matter. So I was like, well, this is garbage then, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? That was sort of my takeaway. It's like. You think the God of the universe, Jesus, and all these Ten Commandments and stuff, but it, it doesn't bother you. None of this ever bugs you about what you do that has nothing to do with God or anything else. So I'm not. I'm just not going to play that game. That's mm -hmm. kind of my deal. <laughs> Which I feel is a good response. Yeah, actually, you yeah. know, well, yeah. I would never blame anybody for that. I mean, they they they're. Their rejection of God is their own thing, but I can see how people look at folks who say they believe this stuff but don't live it and how that is a massive, like, whatever, dude. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had um, a few episodes ago, I had a you know an old friend of mine who was a Christian when I knew him, wandered back into my life, and is no longer a Christian. He would, you know, so he came on on the show to talk about his uh, departure from Christianity. Um, you know, and the big thing for him was he's, he's black, you know, and he was hang attending like this white non-denominational church. And, you know, in the course of the uh, various events of the last, you know, five or six years came around to the idea that no one seemed to care about the unique problems of black people at, at his church. And, you know, I just kind of shrugged at him and said, okay, if you guys don't care about people, then I don't know why I should care about Christianity, you know? Um, and this wasn't a guy with a shallow faith. This was a guy who was, um, 
I, th- I think he was working on a master's in divinity or something along those lines. He was, you know, he'd been in seminary for a lot of years. Um, wow. Yeah. So. <sighs> yeah, you but, know, but I'm, I, I, I hear that. I hear it. And I understand the frustrations people have with fakeness. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm a Christian for Jesus, man. Right. That's the deal. And uh, he tells me that everybody's a bunch of dummies. Yeah, so I'm prepared for it. <laughs> I mean, that's and you I, know, that's where I, that's where I land too. You know, though every man be found a liar, God would be found true. You know, yeah, um, uh, yeah, it's a, it's true, man. And uh, even me, and I'm a pastor. I can tell you, everybody's stupid. It's unbelievable, especially about <laughs> their own kids. But uh. yeah, I think um, you know, Michael Michael Ware, who was um, Obama's uh, religious advisor in his first campaign, and I know a little bit online. Um, you might know him too. I don't know. We run in some of the same circles. Um, you know, around the around the time Trump was elected, he wrote a, a piece that was titled, you know, we didn't become we're we didn't become Christians because of the hucksters or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Yep, that's 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 exactly where I am, right? I'm 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 here for Jesus. I'm not here for yeah, Jerry I'm here Falwell for his... or anybody else. No, oh so. no, no. But, you know, I'd be here for Jerry if he needed me. Right, but, uh, right. I'm not here because of Jerry. Is yeah. Oh heck no, he's a dude. Well, he's, he's dead now. So, oh wait, no, you're talking about the one that's still alive. I'm, I'm talking about Jerry Falwell, the younger, but yeah. Oh, the junior. Yeah, well, yeah. He's, whatever, man. It, it's uh, he's got problems. I yes. got problems. I mean, like for real though. It's right. it's uh, we're, we're messed up. We're simple. Everybody is. That's what I'm here for. But I, yeah. I, I if I if I was like, well, the church is where people go and. These people are supposed to be better. I mean, they are supposed to be better, but they're still messed up, and they don't even mm-hmm. know. People don't even know their problems. Like, and they're they're out there driving Chevys every day. You can't do anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> Mazdas, Subarus, oh, yeah. the Lord Terry's people will be driving Teslas. Anyway. <laughs> All right, I'm done. We finally came back to what we were supposed to be talking about. I brought brought it right back. You see how I did that? The best, worst podcast guest you've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, it really was fun having you on the show, Brad. Thanks so much for coming on. Luke. Um, You got anything to plug before we go? Social media, anything? Nah. If you're like me, you can go listen to discovernewcovenant.com. Go listen to one of my sermons. That'll be good. There you go. You, you can go. send me critiques of it. I'm open to that. Like that was the <laughs> dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I'll write you back and I'll say that was probably our family pastor. Listen to a different one. I'll throw him right under the bus, even if it was mine. <laughs> Just to get you to listen to two. You can't you can't tell anything after one. You gotta listen to two. No, right. I would never do that to Matt. It's it's clearly my fault if you don't like it. But go listen. Discovernewcovenant.com. Go listen to one of those sermons. You're like, I love this guy. He's funny. I'm going to go listen. All right. Well, this has been Changed My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. I'm Luke T. Harrington. And if anybody is still listening, you can find me on Twitter at Luke T. Harrington or just go to my website, LukeTHarrington.com. I'll see you next time. Bye.
As I'm sitting here, um, there's a video going around Twitter of Sarah Palin in, I believe, a cat costume singing Baby Got Back, uh, popularized by Sir Mix-a-Lot. Um, this is apparently from the TV show The Masked Singer, which until today I had never heard of. I don't watch a lot of reality TV, so whatever. But I do think we can all agree this is probably the second most embarrassing thing Sarah Palin has ever done. Um, the first, of course, being her interview with, I think it was Katie Couric when she was running for vice president way back in the year of our Lord, 2008, uh, which was 12 years ago now. Um, the interview was widely regarded, even by Palin supporters, I think, as a colossal embarrassing failure. Um, the worst part of it, of course, was when Katie Couric asked her, you know, why are we bailing out all these Wall Street bankers when regular Joes on Main Street are hurting uh, or something along those lines? And what came out of Sarah Palin's mouth in response was kind of an embarrassing word salad that didn't really seem to mean anything. Um, something about shoring up jobs and something, healthcare reform, something, something. Anyway, uh, you can look up the exact quote if you want, but it was played ad nauseum um, by people looking to embarrass Sarah Palin as it probably should have been. But in retrospect, it feels like the seeds of the populist moment in politics were kind of planted there, um, which is, of course, somewhat ironic because Sarah Palin is a uh, politician who likes to cast herself in a populist light every now and then. But, um, of course, by... Um, running as the running mate for an established political class candidate like John McCain. She was putting herself in the position of having to defend this uh, bipartisan effort to give free money to the same people who had um, bankrupted the economy. Obviously, um, Too Big to Fail was the wisdom that won the day at the time, both on Wall Street and in Detroit. Um, but it wasn't the only choice before us. Um, Iceland, for instance, responded to the financial crisis by jailing its bankers instead of bailing them out. Um, and for whatever it's worth, they actually saw a faster recovery. The point, of course, is um, how bipartisan this uh, TARP bailout program was. Um, both uh, parties in power seem to take it for granted that uh, we had to prop up these failing organizations, these failing businesses that had turned the economy belly up. Um, and they couldn't even seem to fathom <laughs> the possibility that someone would doubt it, uh, that people that actually needed money, people that stood to lose their health care, to lose their homes, would have preferred to be the ones that got bailed out. Um, which is currently a very similar dynamic to what you see in politics. The elite class still does not understand where this wave of populism came from. Um, and unfortunately, this wave of populism put Donald Trump in the White House, and Donald Trump is 
very good at using populist rhetoric and very bad at nearly everything else. Um, we are not going to see anything from the Trump administration that's going to help with the actual problems of the working class and the underclass. Um, and that's a real problem, I think, for all of us, because you can only squeeze the people at the bottom so long before chaos breaks out. Um, eat the rich is, of course, a silly slogan, but when you leave people with no other alternative, it does eventually happen. Not necessarily literally, but it does. And um, I have some sympathy for the Burkean impulse that says revolution tends to hurt innocent people. Um, but if you oppose revolution you need to create a world where revolution is not necessary right now we're living in a world where vast swaths of people cannot afford health care and there is a global pandemic breaking out um and that's not good i don't like where this is going um i'm a bernie sanders fan uh, there are issues I have with him, his uh, position on abortion. Obviously, I wish his rhetoric was more uniting and less divisive, but I think his ideas are good. And I think he is the only hope we have uh, to avoid an absolute total healthcare crisis. Um, Unfortunately, the uh, majority of the Democratic Party doesn't seem to agree with me on this. Um, we are well on our way to nominating Joe Biden, who, as far as I can tell, is basically Donald Trump with slightly more woke rhetoric. Um, I, I, I don't know what the Democratic Party is thinking. I really don't. Um, I really don't think uh, Joe Biden has a chance of beating Donald Trump because Donald Trump, for all his ineptitude, is able to speak to the problems people have in a real way, um, even if he's not shown himself to be able to do anything about them. Um, Joe Biden is utterly confused about why anyone would want universal health care. Um, why anyone would want to raise the minimum wage. <laughs> I just, I don't get it. I don't know why anybody thinks he's a good candidate. Um, but it looks like we're well on our way to nominating him. I don't know. If your state has not had its primary yet and you are eligible to vote in the Democratic primary, I would encourage you to support Bernie. I don't like making an endorsement. I told myself this was not going to be a purely political podcast, but... I do not want to see another four years of Trump because the first four years of Trump were what made this podcast necessary. That's it for this week. If you are enjoying the show, please take a second to rate it or review it on iTunes. Every review helps. We're currently sitting at five stars, which I am pretty excited about. If you want to help me out financially, there are a couple of things you can do. Go to Ko-Fi, that's ko-fi.com slash change my mind, where you can send me three bucks to buy me a cup of good old fashioned coffee. Um, if you would like to pre-order my book, I have a humor book 
about the Bible coming out. It's called Murder Bears, Moonshine, and Mayhem. Strange stories from the Bible to leave you amused, be amused, and hopefully informed. You can find it on Amazon for pre-order now. It will be out in August. I also got word recently that I will be recording the audiobook for it. So if you can't get enough of the sultry sound of my voice, uh, that is a good choice. So go and pre-order that on Amazon. I don't know if they will deliver it to you if you are quarantined, but it is worth a shot. Um, I want to thank Raven Creek Social Club for hosting the show. I want to thank Brad for being on the show. Thank you, Brad. I'm sorry I turned the conversation into an endorsement of Bernie. Brad is, of course, a very conservative guy. He will be very disappointed, but whatever. It's my show. I can endorse Bernie if I want. Um, And finally, I want to thank you for listening to Changed My Mind. And please don't be afraid to change your mind. (laughs) 